Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grove Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Nick and I have the honor and privilege of pastoring the Grove Church right here in Fontana, California. Here at the Grove, our vision is to see our community grow closer to Christ, be givers like Christ, and reintroduce the lost to Christ. And my prayer is that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged, you'll grow a little in your faith, and you wouldn't just hear the word, but you would become a doer of the word. But I wouldn't just stop there. I encourage you to share this message with your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, and anyone else you can think of. And after you do that, follow us on social media and visit our website at yourgrovechurch.org to learn more about who we are as a ministry and how you can get involved and plugged in right here at The Grove. I'm excited for you to hear this message. I can't wait. So get your notes ready and let's dive all the way in together. Chapter four uh, is where we're going to begin this message. We're going to look at verses. um, uh, Let's look at verses 12 through 16. Um, So first Timothy chapter four, verses 12 through 16 is where we're going to start. Um, Here's what it says. It says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. And we're going to talk a little bit about that first part. So not letting anyone think less of you because you are young. Verse 13, here's what it says. It says, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid hands on you. Verse 15, give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live. And this is really what we're gonna focus on today. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. I'm going to read that again. Again, this is a focal point of our message today. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Today, what we're talking about is, we're talking about sharing is caring. That is what our message is on today. Sharing is caring. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for your presence in our lives every single day, God. Even in the moments where we don't think about it, God, we thank you for covering us and for keeping us. Lord, I pray that you would have your way through this message, God. Speak through me, God. Let them hear it the same way that you gave it to me, God. Full of life, full of encouragement, full of challenge, and full of your glory, God. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just hear this, God, but we would be doers of this word, meaning we would take what we hear today and we would live it out in our day-to-day lives, Monday through Saturday. And so we thank you for that today, Lord. Let it be sown into good ground. Let it produce a harvest in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Sharing is caring is the message that we're talking about. Has anyone heard that term, sharing is caring, before? 
I think those of you in the room, those of you listening, you've probably heard that phrase before, sharing is caring. And essentially what it insinuates is that um, when I give to others what I have and what they don't have, it is a demonstration of me caring for the individual. So you might use this in context uh, when someone has a snack that you don't have. And sometimes we use it humorously. So if someone has a snack that I don't have, I might say to them, sharing is caring to insinuate that I'd like for them to give me some of what they have. Or like if you could say it in a more serious tone where, you know, like James teaches us that if we only tell someone in need, God bless you, but we do nothing about their physical need, how, 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 how good is that, right? And so in that context, sharing the things that are essential for that person is caring. Either way that you look at it, the phrase sharing and caring basically describes that when you give, it is a demonstration of caring, right? So part of our vision as a church is to be givers like Christ. And this is not some financial angle. This is not necessarily about giving monetarily. But what it means is that our hearts as believers and as Christians, that we would demonstrate the same things and same principles that Jesus teaches us in scriptures. And he tells us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And he talks about in, in one particular part of the scriptures, he talks about you know uh, giving to someone who was, who was hungry, giving food to someone who's hungry, giving clothes to someone who was naked and, and providing for people's needs. And so our vision as a church is to really exemplify the principles that Jesus describes in scriptures about giving. And the fact that it is more blessed to give than receive. And, and even that, that particular message is important for us to grasp because it may not always feel like it in the moment, but it certainly feels better to give to someone than to receive a gift, right? It is better to help someone out. It is better to provide for someone than to be someone who is always taking from others, and so we try to live those principles out, not only in our vision, but in our day-to-day -day life. And so this idea of sharing is caring really comes back to that idea that if I have something that someone else does not have, it is a demonstration of me caring for that person by giving them that thing. And if for today's message, what we're really talking about when it comes to sharing is caring, we're talking about having the spiritual thing that some people may long for, some people may desire, and since we have it or know of it, it is a demonstration of us caring for other people when we give to them what they don't have or what they're longing for. And so as believers in Jesus Christ, we are, uh, scripture tells us that we have peace when we have Jesus in our hearts, right? He gives us strength. He, give us he gives us encouragement. Uh, he gives us love. And so all of these things are wrapped up in the fact that we have the knowledge of Jesus Christ and we've accepted Jesus in our hearts. And so it is a demonstration of how we care for someone when we make the effort to live out the Great Commission and share the gospel with other people. In other words, we are giving the good news of Jesus Christ to other people. And that is us really caring for people. So people in our circles, people in our lives, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever we go on a day-to-day -day basis, there's someone who is longing for what we have 
or at least they're looking for peace. They're looking for someone to encourage them. They're looking for strength. They're looking for love. They're looking for someone to care for them. And all of that can be found in Jesus Christ. But if they don't know that, and we do, and we choose to not give those things to them, then how much of that means that we actually care? And so one way that we care for people is by helping them come to know who Jesus is. Look at your neighbor and say, sharing is caring. Last week, we talked about, uh, about being a bridge, right? We talked about uh, all of us as believers being bridges between individuals who are lost and Jesus Christ. And so being that bridge that helps them get from one place of existence to another. And so other words, in other words, going from not knowing who Jesus is to knowing who Jesus is, right? That's what being a bridge is all about. It's about giving someone and helping someone experience Jesus. And during that message, one of the points that, I, 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 that stood out to me, one of the points I was trying to make was this idea that my salvation and salvation in general is rarely just about me right? It's not just about me. It's not, I, I am not saved for the sake of just me being saved. Sure, it, it starts that way. Maybe like 10% of it is about me and getting saved and finding the, the knowledge of Jesus. But 90% of it is really, and, and that's really an arbitrary figure, but 90% of my salvation should be about the people who are connected to us. And so the people who are in our inner circles, and, and the reason why 90% of our salvation should be focused on that group is because those individuals may not have had the same experience that we have had with Jesus. And so if I have a friend who I know didn't grow up going to church or doesn't go to church today or doesn't know who Jesus is, then my sole focus really should be to help that person experience Jesus. But it starts with me, right? It starts with my salvation. If I don't know Jesus intimately and personally, how can I help somebody else come to know him? And so salvation is rarely just about you. And I don't wanna downplay what salvation means to every single one of us because all of us have experienced salvation in different levels in our lives. So I don't wanna downplay what it means to any one of us because obviously it's a life-changing event for us, for anyone who comes to know Jesus. It's a life changing event. But the reality is that when we learn something or discover something new, the responsibility is now in our hands to help and to make other people aware of what we now know. Right? That is important. When you learn something, it is important for you to now teach and help someone else learn that thing. And, and it's almost like you are responsible, like you are deputized, like you have the leeway, like you have the allowance because you've learned it to now go and teach someone else. If you withhold that information, if you are choosing to not share what you know about Jesus or what you know about faith or what you know about salvation, then again, the point that we made last week, you have a select people you have a select few people in your life that God has strategic you, strategically placed you in their life for a reason. And so if you come to know Jesus and you are withholding this from others, then those people who are connected to you are gonna miss out on the best thing that could ever happen to them in their life. It's kind of like being a doctor, right? Like when we talk about salvation, not just being for yourself, it's kind of like being a doctor. When a doctor goes to school, in that moment, they're learning. 
They're learning and they're soaking up everything that they're being taught because they know and they recognize that it is important for them to be a sponge in those moments and learn and soak up everything that they're needing to learn because 10% of their experience as a doctor is likely, and again, this is arbitrary number, but 10% of their experience as a doctor comes with the learning in those first and early parts of their career. That's about 10%. And 90% of their career is going to be focused on helping other people get well. So in other words, using what they've learned to help somebody else. Right? You don't learn to be a doctor so you can operate on yourself. That's not the point. You don't learn those things and those skills and say to yourself, oh, now that I know these things, I can help myself, right? As a doctor or someone in medicine or even a lawyer or any profession, you learn what you need to learn so that you can help others in that field who need what you have, right? You study and you become an expert in the field so that you can help others get better. And that's kind of how we have to think about salvation as well. Right, we come to know who Jesus is. We learn about him, we soak him up. We come to church and, and, and we're like, uh, it's like coming to a gas station and you're a car that gets filled up with all the necessary things you need. And then you take those things out and you, and you not waste, but you run the gas out by, by going to various places, right? And, and blessing those places with your presence. And so your salvation should be the same way. Now that I know who Jesus is, I've come and I've filled up with, with the knowledge of Jesus and I've learned from his word and I'm learning every single day by speaking to him and talking to him through prayer and learning what he says about me as a believer just by reading his word and communicating with him. Now that I've experienced all of those things, I can now go out and help someone else learn those things and do those things. And that's the responsibility that I have to take. And that's so important, especially when you consider being placed in people's lives for a reason. And so I soak up, similar to a doctor, I learn what I need to learn, and I can now go and help others get better and learn those same things. The purpose is not to operate on myself necessarily, but mainly to operate on others, to help others. As a doctor, because I've studied and, and I've done the work, if I need to, I can assess myself when the time is right, right? If I'm hurting or if I'm ill, I know how to heal and I know how to help myself but for the most part, I, 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 and recognizing what I need is important, but for the most part, my attention and my primary function is going to be to help someone else. So as a Christian, when I am going through my own pain and when I'm going through my own frustration and my own anxiety and my own depression and my own hurt, because I know who Jesus is and because I've learned from his word, I know where to go when I'm, when I'm hurt and I know where to go when I'm frustrated and I know where to go when I'm dealing with something and I know how to go and be encouraged and I know how to go and find some help I know where to find the answer from but my purpose and the primary function of my gift and my purpose as a believer is to help other people come to know these same things there's some things that we we see in first Timothy that are really important and what is interesting when we go back to our text today what is interesting is that um, within our text Paul is being in, Paul is encouraging Timothy. And while it, it while he's encouraging Timothy to be an example, 
the interesting thing that we know in this moment is that Paul is likely writing this letter from prison. And so this goes right back to the point I was just making. As a believer, when I find myself in trouble, I know where to turn to, and it doesn't stop me from encouraging someone else just because I'm going through my own struggles. So Paul is demonstrating that exact thing. Here he is in prison, and he's encouraging Timothy to, uh, to, to encourage and be an example to others. So Paul is in jail, of course, He's in jail, not because he's done something reckless, not because he's done something that is contradictory to the word of God, but he's in jail for the gospel. And throughout the New Testament, Paul describes like everyone knows in this palace. And this is Paul when he's when he's um, talking in, in, in Philippians. But he says, everyone knows that I am in chains for the gospel. So oftentimes when Paul found himself in a difficult situation, it was because he was living on purpose. Look at your neighbor and say, live on purpose. He was living on purpose, which meant that Paul was sharing the gospel. And so oftentimes when he found himself in prison, it was for those reasons. So here he is again, his first imprisonment in Rome, and he's trying to encourage Timothy. He is in jail because of the gospel. And while he's there, he's encouraging Timothy to fight the good fight for the faith, and to guard what has been entrusted to him. Here's what we know about 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, and, and just for some uh, a Bible lesson or theology lesson, 1 Timothy is known as one of the earliest of the pastoral epistles. So within Paul's letters, there are epistles specific to pastors. It is 1 Timothy, and you probably guessed it, 2 Timothy, and then also uh, what Paul writes to young pastors, which makes up and rounds out his epistles to, to the pastors or pastoral epistles, is the book of Titus. All three of these books are known as pastoral epistles or letters that are written to pastors. And that's the context that we have to approach these texts with. But again, when we talk about interpreting scripture, we recognize what the context is for the people in those days. But we also recognize the theological principles that help us today as believers. So regardless if we are pastors or not, there is a theological principle from the text that we can take from it and learn from and apply it to our life. And so that's how we want to view 1 Timothy in all of these books. Paul is concerned about false teaching when he comes to first Timothy. He's con concerned about false teaching that is slipping into the church. And so Paul is trying to make this point in the sense of urgency that just as right teaching will lead to godliness and right living, so will false teaching lead to perversion and to the destruction of believers. So Paul is kind of writing with this sense of urgency to Timothy to describe to him and to encourage him to fight for the right faith, to fight for faith and to contend and to make sure that individuals are not being duped or slipping into uh, false encouragement from false teachers and false words. Paul is reminding Timothy that his role is to provide proper biblical teaching. He also tells Timothy to teach, teach truth and authority. So teach truth, actually teach truth with authority. 
And so it's the same thing for us as believers. Where we, we've got to understand what Paul is saying to Timothy also to, applies to us from a theological perspective. Where we have to teach truth, where we have to share truth with authority, believing what we read in scripture as believers is true. And so we have that same encouragement to teach the truth with authority. So here's a quick breakdown. Let's look at our text today. Let's start with, with, with 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, right? Here's what it says again. It says, don't let anyone think, of, think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. And we're gonna come back to that second half a little later, but let's look at that first part. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Now, we oftentimes will look at this text and we'll use it in um, youth groups and we'll talk about it with kids and we'll encourage kids like, hey, you're young, but you can still share the gospel. But the reality is that when Paul is writing this, Back in this day, the context of people in this time is that when he was referring to young, he wasn't necessarily talking about adolescence. But when he says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young, what he's actually meaning, and he's writing to Timothy, who was actually between 35 and 40 years old. And so in this moment, what he's really saying is, even in your young age of 35 or 40, don't let people look down on you because you are young. Don't let people make you feel like because you are a youth that you can't preach the gospel, right? Youth was a term applied to man really until they were 40 in biblical times. Timothy might've been like 35 to 40 at this time. And so Timothy is being encouraged even at that age, like, don't let people look down on you because you are young. And Paul goes on to say, be an example. Look at your neighbor and say, be an example. And this is really the encouragement that we have to take as well. As believers, regardless of our age, we have to be an example to people we come across. Again, there's going to be people who don't know Jesus. And so going back to the title of our message, sharing is caring. If I care enough about my friends, if I care enough about my family members, if I care enough about the people that I am coming in contact with, then I will share the gospel with them. If I care enough, I will be an example to them to help them come to know who Jesus is. And so he's telling them, look, don't let people look down on you. Be an example. And so Paul begins to instruct Timothy with six areas that we also can learn from. So here's the first area that Paul instructs Timothy to be an example in. In word meaning conversation. So look at your name and say, be an example in conversation. So what does this really mean? It means that when I'm having a conversation with one, with someone, when I am connecting with someone, it means that my words to them and the words that I'm saying to them are going to be an example where they can walk away and say, man, I felt encouraged by so-and-so. Man, I felt like so-and-so was just really giving me such, such encouragement and, and helping me out. Man, they were so kind. Man, they were so nice. Man, they said all the right things to help me. And this doesn't mean that 
I have all the right words to say when someone is in trouble, but it certainly means that I'm choosing my words wisely to make sure that my words are seasoned with salt, that they are building people up, that they are encouraging people. So in my conversation with people, I shouldn't be the type of person who is known for cursing people out or using bad language or saying things that are only going to make that person feel like they are less than or condescending to someone. In my conversation, I should be an example, which means that my words and, and, and who I am come out in speech and I am ex an example of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Another area that Paul encourages Timothy to be an example in is his conduct and his behavior. So even when I'm not speaking, my attitude and my interaction and my behavior, my nonverbal communication, even that is an encouragement to someone. So maybe when I see someone, instead of me mugging all the time, I have a smile and I let people know that I, I'm, I'm someone that they can talk to, someone they can communicate with. And, and even when I have a bad day, I'm not letting people see that I'm having a bad day. Even when, I, when, I'm, when I'm frustrated about something, I'm not allowing my anger to be shown on the outside of my body. And again, we're all human beings. And so we're gonna have moments where, where maybe we, we miss the mark every now and again. And there's no shade, no shame, no judgment there, but we have to be an example in our behavior and our conduct as well. Another area that Paul tells Timothy to be an example in is in love, which is the love of God. And so how can you be an example when it comes to loving God? How can you be an example? That means when you are facing difficult challenges, you're looking to God and you're not looking to blame God. You're not looking to be upset with God when he doesn't do what you want him to do, but, but you are trusting God. And so when people see that as an example, they know, man, so-and-so went through a hard time last year, but man, they never lost their character, they never changed, they never switched up. And so that can only be accredited to my love for God and the fact that even when I am down, I know that I'm not out. Even when I'm hurting, I know that he's still protecting me. Even when I'm lost, I know that he is still, he is still with me and he's covering me and he's protecting me. Another area that Paul tells Timothy to be an example in is in spirit. And this is the attitude or power of the Holy Spirit. I trust in the Holy Spirit that he's going to do the things that I can't do. I trust in the Holy Spirit that, that, that and, and I am content in the fact that there are things that the Holy Spirit has to come and help me with or else I won't be able to do it. And that's in the big things and in the small things. So even in, on the day-to-day, -day, in the tasks that I'm doing, in the life that I'm living, I trust the Holy Spirit to fill in my gaps Look at your neighbor and say, you got gaps. And the Holy Spirit is meant to fill in those gaps. And I trust him to do that. So my attitude reflects that the Holy Spirit is with me. That I'm not upset. I'm not frustrated when I can't do something. But I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit to help me out. Paul tells Timothy to be an example in his faith as well. So in his trust in God. He tells him to be an example in his purity. So he's talking about sexual matters and in his thoughts and, and, and not having, not being uh, perverted in, in his nature or his attitude when he's approaching these, 
these actions, but, but being pure. And so all of these things, Paul is really just encouraging Timothy. Not that Timothy was doing any of these things, but he was really just trying to tell him, like, listen, continue to be an example in spite of your age. And so that's the same thing we would tell anyone here listening, whether you are 5, 10, 13, 40, 60, wherever you're at in life, be an example. Be an example. The next verse that, that we want to kind of dissect here is, is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Here's what it says. It says, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. In some translations, it's just a little different. In some translations, it gives you um, more churchy words that, uh, that you often read and you're like, what? what? What are they talking about? But it's really just big words for exactly what we see here. Focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. In some places, it might describe it just a little different. In some places, it might say... Uh, it, it might say something else, but really what Paul is trying to get across is a very simple fact that we have to look at the scriptures and we have to focus and meditate on them. In some translations, that's what it describes. It talks about meditating on his word. And really meditating is not just what you see people do in yoga. It's not just humming to yourself. Meditating in some sense means to, to mumble or keep the words on your lip. And so as I'm going through my day-to-day -day life, the scriptures remain on my lips. I'm meditating on those. So I'm thinking about scripture even, even in the mundane tasks that I'm doing. I'm meditating on those things. I'm focusing on reading the word. He also talks about um, encouraging the believers, or in some texts it talks about exhortation. And in other words, what that really means is that that simply means to just just continue obeying the word, continue living out the word. So first he talks about reading. So reading is commanding uh, a command for public reading of the scripture. Then there's exhortation, which is an encouragement to obey the scriptures. Then the next thing that he talks about is the doctrine. Talks about, uh, and really doctrine is just formal teaching and instruction in the word of God. So he's saying, be an example and not just yourself and what you're doing, but also what you're helping other people with. Look at your neighbor say, sharing is caring. So if I really believe that, then I'm going to focus on sharing scripture with others. I'm going to focus on encouraging believers. I'm going to focus on teaching them because I care for their well-being. I'm going to do all of these things as a believer. And the next, the next part of scripture that I want us to kind of focus on is, is this last part, which is really the, the, the main part of our text today. This is the main part. It says, keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation, right? So on one end, he's saying stay true because it benefits you, right? So going back to what we started our message with when it comes to salvation, it benefits you, right, to be saved. There's an important aspect of salvation that does focus on you as a believer. But the second half of this text is really the more important part as well. Not only does it talk about your own salvation, but it talks about the salvation of those who hear you. So the salvation of those who are connected to you, 
focus on these things and stay true to this word and this doctrine, not just for yourself, but help other people as well. And that is the part that is really important when it comes to our message. Sharing is caring. I want to help other people through my salvation. My salvation is not just so that I can sit back and say I'm saved and I have it all together and look at me and look how great I am. But there's an element of my salvation that comes to reaching out where I have to reach out to other people and I have to help other people come to know who Jesus is. So Paul is encouraging Timothy to not stay within this teaching for your own self, but to help other people who might hear you or other people who might experience you or other people who might know you or come to know you. You want to stay grounded in scripture and stay grounded in the word of God so that you can help other people do the same thing. It's not just about being saved, but it's sanctification, meaning being made right with God. It's living a life actively of staying right with God and helping other people do the same thing. So if there's anything that we can take from this text outside of that, there's those five things that we just talked about. Teach these things, insist everyone learn them, is what Paul is encouraging Timothy in this text. Teach them and make sure everyone else learns them. He also talks about be an example to all believers. Be an example to all believers in spite of your youth. Look at your neighbor and say, be an example. And again, it's in what we say, it's in the way we live, it's in the way that we love, it's in our faith, it's in our purity. Be an example for everyone. The other thing is focus on reading, obeying, and teaching God's word. These are very simple principles, I know, but these are things that we have to do to help other people come to experience God. The other part that Paul talks about and tells Timothy is is don't neglect your gift. Don't neglect who God has called you to be. And this is so important for all of us as believers. No matter how old we are, I think we have to remind ourselves not to neglect our gift because within our gift, on the other end of our gift is purpose. And so if I neglect my gift, I'm naturally neglecting my purpose. If God has called me to do something extraordinary, if God has called me to be someone and to be a teacher or to be a musician or to be a singer or to be someone who is good at welcoming and greeting and hospitality and and even someone who is a comedian there is purpose for all of those things and so God is or Jesus is 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 trying to encourage us to continue with our gift Paul is encouraging Timothy in the same way on a day-to-day basis the Holy Spirit may encourage us to continue on in our gift because on the other side of that gift is purpose so don't neglect your gift. It's just one of the things that Paul teaches. He says, stay true to what is right for yourself and for others. Stay true to what is right for yourself and for others. Because at the end of the day, right, sharing is caring. There's a scripture that I want to read that I think is really important, and it's actually found in Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. 
In Philemon chapter 1, verse 6, and, and, and just to kind of set this text up, and I, and I think I'll probably do a message on the book of Philemon because I, I think it's one of, one of the underrated books of the Bible that doesn't get enough show and shine. But in Philemon chapter, in, in the book of Philemon overall, Paul is actually talking to a slave owner. And what Paul is trying to do is he's, he's trying to encourage the slave owner that because they both know Jesus and they both have experienced the gospel, and they both have come into the knowledge of Christ, what he's trying to encourage the slave owner Philemon with is, listen, welcome your slave back home with open arms. And one of the things that we have to consider about slavery in this time is that slavery was not just what we see in the, the, the 1800s or early on or the 400 years of slavery that uh, African-American people have been subjected to, that's, that's not particularly the type of slavery we're talking about here because in this day you had cooks who were, who were slaves, you had musicians, you had shop owners who were slaves. And so in this moment, Paul is really just encouraging Philemon. He's saying, listen, when your slave comes back, when, when uh, this, this slave comes back, welcome him with open arms and treat him kindly. And so he's trying to make the point that because you know Jesus, because you know the right thing to do, demonstrate that, live that out. But one of the things that he says to Philemon to encourage him, he says this in verse six, verse six, and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. And so Paul is telling them, I hope that you will live out what you've learned. I hope that you will help somebody else with what you've learned. And this is the same encouragement to us when it comes to today's message. I hope that you will, you will put into action what you have learned to help other people. I hope you will encourage other people. I hope you will teach other people. I hope you will continue to, to help other people because you know what is right and you've learned all of these things. So in the same way that Paul is encouraging Philemon, I am encouraging you. I hope you will put into action all of the generosity that comes from the faith that you understand and have experienced. And the fact that you've experienced all these good things, I hope that you will live these things out. And so more specifically, when it comes to all these good things, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, I hope that you will put into action this good news and help other people. When I think about, um, when I think about this idea of, you know, my salvation is not just for me and and I want to help other people come to know Jesus. I, I, I really think about Romans chapter 10. And I, I, I think about, um, think about more specifically in, in, in this text that describes, you know, um, talks about Moses' faith. In Romans chapter 10, if, if we look at uh, kind of like the tail end of verse 8, it says this. It says, in fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him 
will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. More specifically, I want to look at this part here in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 15. Here's what it says. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And so the reason why I think about this when it comes to the fact that my salvation is not just for me and I've got to help other people experience Jesus. The reason why I think about that is because, again, how will anyone, how will anyone know? How will anyone, you know, call on him if they don't believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And so if you needed any allowance, if you needed any reassurance, today is a moment where you have to recognize that, yes, while we have a catchy, fun, sharing is caring title, the reality is that in this message and what I'm trying to get across to you is that you are ones who are being sent to help other people come to know Jesus. And so I recognize and I take the responsibility on my own shoulders that I am being sent. I have been sent to go and help people come to believe in Jesus Christ. And so because I have been sent, the onus is on me in helping people believe in who Jesus is. And I do that through my lifestyle. I, through that th I do that through my speech. I do that through my conduct in my demonstration of love for Jesus, in my faith, in my purity, in all of these things, I do that. I help people come to know and believe in Jesus simply by who I am and the integrity that I hold as a Christian, as a believer. So that means in spite of the world changing and all the differences that are going on and all the things that were once taboo, taboo now being commonplace, in spite of all those things, I stay true to who I am as a believer in Jesus Christ. I stay true to the mission and the purpose that God has put me on to share the gospel with others. I stay true to all those things and I take the responsibility serious of being sent because I know Jesus, because I have him in my heart, because I listen to him, because I pray, because I read his word, because I'm called, because I recognize my purpose. And simply because of all of those different things, I now have that responsibility to help other people come to know Jesus. And this is a serious responsibility. This is not something to take lightly. This is not something to just kind of look at and disregard, but it's something that I have to actively pursue on a day-to-day -day basis. And that is helping people come to know who Jesus is. And so in spite of the differences that I may have with people, in spite of the background differences, in spite of all of those things, the fact that I have been called, the fact that I have been chosen, the fact that you have been called, the fact that you have been chosen, the fact that you have been gifted, the fact that you have a purpose on the inside of you, because of all of those different things, you are being sent. You don't need someone to tell you, okay, now it's time to go out. No, every single day that you get up, 
you should be going out and helping people experience Jesus in your life. It's in the things that you do, but it's also in the things that you choose not to do that demonstrate who you are in Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, sharing is caring. Go out and share the gospel. Go out and share the same Jesus that has impacted your life. Go out and share the same Jesus that has influenced you for good. Go out and share the same Jesus that heals, the same Jesus that cares, the same Jesus that promises to never leave you or forsake you, the same Jesus that promises to be there in your lonely hour. Go out and share that same Jesus. If you care for your friends, if you care for your family members, if you care for the lives of people around you, go out and share this gospel and quit playing games. Share this gospel with people because at the end of the day, the gospel is good news. And let me tell you, we are living in a day and time where people need good news. People need some good news in life. And the best news that you can share with them is Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. Jesus desires you. Jesus wants to be with you. Jesus wants to encourage you. He wants to love you. All That is the best news that you can share with them. And not only that, but you can share with them that Jesus has died for you. Jesus loved you. This is why God sent his only son to die on the cross for you. For you, it doesn't matter what you've done. And that's the beauty of it. It doesn't matter how bad or terrible you've been. It doesn't matter how, how much sin you've had in your life. At the end of the day, this word promises us that God still loves us and he still cares and he still wants and desires you. I just want to read this again because I think it's important, but how can they call on Jesus unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Can I remind you that that someone is you? Look at your neighbor and say, that someone is you. So take this text personal. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Sharing is caring. Go and tell someone about Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope it blessed you and pray that whatever you take away today gets sown deep into your heart and you apply it to your day-to-day -day life. If it was as good to you as it was good to me, please share this message with someone and let's continue to grow together. Part of our vision here at The Grove is to be givers like Christ. If you were blessed by today's message and you want to partner with us in your giving, all you have to do is text GIVE to 844-831-4106 or visit yourgrowthchurch.org slash give. If you're looking for a community to be a part of, we would love for you to call The Grove Church home. And to get connected to us, you can simply text GO to 844-813-5747 or shoot us a DM on one of our social media platforms. I pray blessings over you wherever you are and wherever you go and can't wait for you to join us next time. Peace.